Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Hello? Can you hear me? I can't hear you, Joe. Cannon fought alive, everything sucks. <laughs> well, I just want to let the nation know I wish them a happy Valentine's Day. Everybody on the audio <laughs> podcast heard it, but the Twitch people didn't hear it. I'm sorry, Twitch people. I love you so much for coming out and hanging out with us live today. It's a live FOD, good buddy. Live Fod, uh, yeah, and uh, so it's gonna have a few hiccups. I'm like, I'm in Discord, like, I can't hear him. Let me quickly go in Discord. He's not in Discord. He's, oh, he's just muted, like the easiest. <laughs> just fix. straight up muted to the audience. But uh, hey, this is what happens when you go live. We're here. Uh, but yeah, nobody, nobody noticed it in the podcast. So it doesn't matter. What's up, everybody? What's up, Jim with two ends and wide jester and six gun Joe? Thank you for hanging out and watching live today. We had to do a very special live fod. Troy hit me up last week. He's like, yo, post State of the Nation, we got to have a little Fallout live fod stream. And I was like, I'm in. And uh, and here we are. We're going to do it live. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Because, you know, we want to we wanna, uh, go back over some of this State of the Nation stuff in case you missed it, audio listeners, and uh, give you a chance to hear the news uh, straight from uh, Troy and I, and then also we'll take live feedback and questions from uh, the chat. We're also going to just we're going to talk about some other news that's going on. We're going to talk about uh, Glass Cannon uh, podcast episode, uh, whatever it is, 21. 21, I think, yeah. Yeah, episode 21 of Gatewalkers. We got a chunky We Are Stupid listener mail, I think, is all going to be live. This is going to be a really, really fun show. So thank you all for, for coming out and, and hanging out with us. Uh, Troy, you you just got off streaming. You were <laughs> you were just streaming uh, with all these fine folks watching you, dude. This how, has been this has been a, a weird week. Like it is just from nine a.m. Monday until right now. It's just been like 
<laughs> I'm still wearing everything down to the my the same underwear that I was wearing during the State of the Nation. All I've done <laughs> is change my background color. It's just it is so nonstop. Now all I did was play video games the past two hours, but that was great. And then I just come straight into this. And it's 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 kind of crazy, but it's fun. Like it doesn't feel too stressful. I've been like front loading my weeks a lot lately, so that Thursday and Friday I used to like back load them, and then I would just dread the work all week. I've been right. front loading them, so then just Monday is horrible and Tuesday's kind of bad, but then I'm, I can kind of coast through the rest of the week. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, uh, how was the stream? How was the Baldur's Gate three stream? Was it Dude, good, it's great good times. So. You know, I I finished Act One, and at a certain point in Act One, you kind of have two options. This is kind of a little spoilerly. You to get to the next portion, you can either go through the Underdark or go through the Mountain Pass. And I uncovered two ways to go to the Mountain Pass, but I was like, I want to do the Underdark, so I did the entire Underdark, and I kept going to the Underdark, and then I just ended up in the next area. Well, I've been exploring that next area, the the ruined battlefield Act Two, for you know I don't know four or five hours now, and I found a way to the Mountain Pass, and I'm like. Holy shit, I gotta go back to Act One? Because it's basically back to Act One, but there's a there's kind of an important set point for one of the characters in my party, uh, this Gith Yankee. And so I I become close with her. We were having sex and then I, I broke it off. <laughs> I finally broke it off with her. And so I was like, I gotta at least do this, and then maybe I can just leave her there and be like, see ya. Uh but on the I'm other thinking, side of the mountain pass. I, I'm thinking it's gonna be like super lame because I'm like, at this point, I'm so over leveled for this. I my wizard just unlocked fourth level spells. It's like mind-blowing how powerful these spells are now. Uh, you know, greater invisibility and shit. And I'm like, ah, all right, I guess I'll because the completionist in me is like, I gotta do it all. Immediately run into a fight with ghouls, ghasts, and uh these I can't remember skeletal far like dead farmers or whatever they're called, and uh get like annihilated. And I'm like, well, let's start that fight again because <laughs> ghouls, they only have twenty two hit Load points. That save. But you get paralyzed and then they just kill, 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 kill. And I was like, fuck, we gotta play this and it brought me back to end of strange aeons, Mrs. O'Lady fight against the ghouls. Yeah. Like, every time that you guys fought ghouls, how nasty that paralysis can be. It really felt played uh, perfectly uh, like like a tabletop game in the way Baldur's Gate did it. So it ended up being a cool stream. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, well, we got uh, obviously tons and tons to talk about today. I'm going to slip in a couple news items before we dig back into the state of the nation. Also, Paula Damming here in chat. What's up, Paula? PD! Getting, uh, getting her Baldur's Gate 3 stream uh, spoiled by you. Uh, we, we are excited to share that the Marvel, uh, stream or not stream, the Marvel video, uh, has an audio only element that released today. We, we said last week, we thought it would be about a week and it's out, right? It's out. It's on, uh, it's on the subscription service. Yeah, I think it's out. I think it's out. I think it's out. <laughs> well, the subscription uh, so, service we're going to talk about shortly just had like a massive dump of more yeah. content, H- hundreds and hundreds of hours of more content. So it's possible that Marvel got thrown in there. I know the plan was to release it today and it got held up because I, uh, had to like rewrite the description. That was the only reason. Uh, but I think that's so keeping, that, yeah, keep there. an ear out for it. You could find it there if you want to listen to that. That was really fun. And then we talked a lot about it in the, in the weeks leading up. But last Friday night, we played Rambo at a, at a comedy club in New York City and it was hilarious and it was fantastic. And I had an amazing time and. It, it was captured, as far as I know. They taped it. So word on the street is this is going to be out at some point. You didn't and, see uh, the video? You didn't watch some of the video? They I did not it. watch any of the video. How was it? I mean, it. I, I started watching and I was like, I can't. I, I just can't watch it. Like you had. I feel like you had to be there. Um, I just didn't want to sit through. It's still so fresh. But I mean, the energy in that room 
you know, it, everyone was on top of each other. Like we're sitting on a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. comedy stage that's meant for one single comic. <laughs> and it's like five <laughs> of us up there with us. our laptops, tables, shoulder dice. to shoulder. And the audience is right here. There's a woman knitting in the front row. It was, it was, it was a very strange crowd. But I mean, it, yeah, it was just an electric experience that I hope you'll be able to capture in video. I started watching it. I was like, I can't, I can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if it, if it is uh, available for you guys to check out. We'll let you know where to uh, to view it, to listen to it, to find it, etc. All yeah. right, let's get in to the state of the nation. Uh, first impressions after revealing all of this news, uh, and we'll go back over it as we go through. But you know, how did you feel? How how did you feel about how it all went? H- how was it received? What were the reactions like? Uh, good, bad, the ugly. Talk to me about it. It, I feel like it was received really well. Um, it's not like I was concerned about how it would be received because in the past, State of the Nation has been kind of, you know, very controversial, uh, like everything that happens whenever I open my mouth. But, uh, you know, I think the thing that I was most concerned about is that we didn't have – compared to like past State of the Nations, there weren't like huge announcements of like big new projects uh pertaining to content you know in the past state of the nation would be like and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're releasing this and that's really that wasn't what this was about this was to kind of give a look back at the past year kind of reminisce a little bit and then uh talk about this year's tour the big changes to the subscription service and then kind of like the other business as usual things that we're doing and then other big things that we're excited about the retreat that is like 90 percent going to happen and uh also the changes to the gen con booth that we've been kicking around so like it's a lot of exciting stuff but it's much different from like and we're doing a 40 episode star wars show you know it didn't have that like uh appeal but uh you know what's nice about it's like these are things that we feel very very confident about uh announcing now and you know there's a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon so i think uh i think people are excited nashville was pretty big news the Nashville tour stop is not your average. It's not your grandfather's tour stop. Uh, why don't you talk about that for a second? Holy shit. Yeah. We're already getting questions about it in chat left and right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm going to kick. So like, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. You know, we obviously wanted to do the con and the con is just such a massive project that we don't have. We'd be taking time away from content production to focus on that. So we've got to wait for the timing that is right on that. And also we need strategic partners that can make sure that we don't sink the business trying to build this con idea. But we really like that idea of bringing the community together. And so. I thought like maybe we can pull this off with smaller retreats. Um, and so when we were kicking around what cities to do this year, you and I especially were like, man, I really want to go back to Nashville. But like Nashville, we did two years ago and we didn't sell it out, but it was on a Thursday night, still very close to COVID. And I was like, I think we could do Nashville again this year and we'd sell better. But like, how do we make sure that we do a big city like that on a Saturday night and really bring it? What if we do a retreat? and encourage people to travel out for the whole weekend and have one of the best fucking weekends of their lives. <laughs> and so that's what we are, we're, we've been moving towards is like having a, a, a three day, two night retreat in Nashville at this amazing resort. Uh, McD like, uh, went out, went out and like researched all the possible options for what we could do in Nashville and, and, and presented like what he considered to be like a half a dozen of the best options. And the one that we've settled on, it's just, it's just perfect. So I'm flying out there next week to look at the site and, uh, it seems like we're going to be putting tickets on sale for this retreat 
next week. It's happening. It's like, it's, it's happening. We got to sign the contracts, obviously. And if you don't come, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to lose a lot of money. So please, please contact us. <laughs> um, what are the dates? Did you say that on this? I can't. It's Friday, June 21st through Sunday. June 23rd. So you'll come in. We fly in from where the fuck are we? Like two days, Vancouver or something. I want to say maybe in like Vancouver. We're coming from Thursday. another show. Yeah. We're coming from another show. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll fly into, I think Who it's planned Van- this. I was me. We'll fly into <laughs> Vancouver on like a Wednesday, do a show in Vancouver Thursday night. I think it's Vancouver. I'll look in a second. And then the next day we'll fly to Nashville in the morning. I don't think it's Vancouver. No, Vancouver else. goes to St. Paul. I can't from Denver. Denver, Jim with two thank N's you. Says. All right, so we fly to Denver <laughs> on a Wednesday, hang out with Rob Kirkovich and Skid's old buddies on Wednesday, and then we do a show in Denver, sold out, I'm sure, Thursday night, and then Friday morning we fly to Nashville and we start hanging with the Nash. And Friday night is going to be like board games, living card games, cocktail party, past hors d'oeuvres, the whole nine yards, meet and greet. Uh, and then uh, the next morning is going to be probably more tabletop games with, I'm sure, more board games. We're going to be like uh, bringing and you know aggregating a bunch of board games and Magic the Gathering and all that shit. We'll play that Saturday and then fucking Luxury Bus pulls up, brings everybody to the <laughs> VIP meet and greet because if you get the tickets to retreat, it comes with a VIP meet and greet ticket. You'll come to the meet and greet, which is now before the show for this year's tour. Then you watch the show. Bus comes back. Little late night sip. And then the next morning you have a bagel and you get the fuck out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Get a bagel and hit the road. Just a disaster of a human being. But it was but it was all worth it. Uh, Paul is in, by the way. Paula says, invite me. Invite me. Paul, do you like board games by any chance? We can give it to you at cost. No. Well, uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this, this is going to be a really fun weekend, especially if we start just like randomly pulling in all these GCN personalities. Well, dude, cra- that's kind of like cra- the, if yeah, this is a Kickstarter, that's the stretch goal, right? Like if it's, if it goes really well, we could try and get some more rooms, you know, because we want to make sure we get like the rooms that don't make us eat shit. Like here's our room block. Once we <laughs> fill that up, we can be like, hey, we get five more rooms. Hey, can we get 10 more rooms? Hey, oh, you know what? This is going really well. Think we can fly Jared out. Think we can get Paul Dem. They can get Mary Lou. You know, so like there's a there's a world where this gets big quicker than we're ready for. But ideally, this is something that grows. And so when you come to a GCN retreat, like a ton of GCN personalities are there. Who knows what's going to happen this year? I know that the Glass Cannon Live crew will be there because we have a show uh, in Nashville Saturday night. Well, in case you were worried, Troy, Western Spaghetti and Chat got approval from the wife to go to Nashville. So yeah! that's one. That's one. That's one. That's one. <laughs> well, it seems like we got, we, we put up a, a poll or like a, not a poll, like a survey on a fucking discord a few weeks ago, kicking around this idea. Cause it was like, if we're going to even move forward with this, we got to see if people would be willing to do this. Cause it's not cheap. It's going to be over $1,500, you know, to get, to do this. And even more if you're single occupancy. So make sure you buddy up with somebody. Um, and so we wanted to get a feel if this would even work. And we got so many responses. I was like, let's press go. I think we can pull this off. So very, very exciting. Very, very, very exciting. Um, we kind of glossed over it earlier. Those of you that don't know if you are. So there's big news on the subscription service. You teased it earlier. Uh, I'll sum it up because you've been talking for a while. Basically, everything, almost nearly everything that we've ever done. That's ever been available both out there in the world and behind the Patreon paywall is now going to be available on Supercast in one way or another. It is going to be a one-stop shop 
for all the content GCN has ever made. And it is, it's something that people have been asking a lot for, but it is an incredibly laborious, detailed uh, thing to move all that content into one place. And, uh, our, our team has been doing an amazing job and it's underway and most of it is already done. And things like, uh, ad free campaign one and, uh, androids and aliens and, uh, voyagers of the jump and, uh, you know, all these shows that, uh, you could also get out on, you know, podcasts for free elsewhere. You will be able to all find it in one place under your membership on the GCN subscription service. If you go to the, if you go to jointhenache.com, you will find a quick and easy way to join up. If you're currently on Patreon, you can make that switch over, which I'd highly recommend. And Dude, can I uh, share screen here? Does this work on Cannon Fodder? Let's just yeah, it works on Fodder. Go ahead. Try. Well, what are you, you sharing? Guys, can you guys see this? Uh, it's coming, coming in. Let's see. So that's what it looks like now. Like literally every show we've ever done is on there. Oh, um, look at all those logos, right? The and on, Game Garage. Yeah, Garrett the Sand. No, not Garrett the, the Garage. Sand. Uh, I mean, so, and, and on top of that, we also announced a 30 day free trial. So the basic and premium membership, anyone can try for free for 30 days. That's why it says free when you click there. Um, and so like, if you're still, if you haven't made the move from Patreon, I said this last night, you should use the, my, the free migration because you're going to lock in the, uh, your prices from Patreon rather than, uh, go to the new prices. However, if you've never subscribed or if you use subscribe to Patreon and you don't subscribe anymore, take advantage of the 30 day free trial. Come back to us and you'll see that like, this is honestly, I spend fucking so much money on subscription services and cable. I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing? I don't need Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and fucking $300 a month to Verizon. This service, if you like what we do, I think it's better than all of them. We give you so much content, and it's all great. You know how much crap is on Netflix? <laughs> Anyways, 30 days no, But for free. real, for real. For I mean, Netflix is now what? Like $16.99 some months? Some so months it's like $21.99. It's crazy how expensive it is. And how many hours are you consuming of Netflix versus in a month? Versus what you're consuming on GCN content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. I like Love is no Blind brainer. as much as the next guy, but <laughs> it's no GCP. Uh, so anyway, that is a very exciting thing to have up and running, particularly the free trial. If you are on the fence, if you've been listening to the new campaign, too, and you're kind of like, uh, well, I want to try out this content, but I, I want to uh, do it for free first, which is completely reasonable. We finally have that option up and running. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been fantastic so far. And a huge thank you, like I said, to our whole team that has been uh, all hands on deck putting that all together, uh, including McD, who's uh, producing today and in the chat. And thank you so much, McD, for dealing with all of the you know, uh, little bugs and stuff that happen with a, such a huge announcement and so many new things that are coming in. Uh, any Any kind of like... Uh, hinky stuff you guys are running into. We're, we're working on it. We're going to fix it. So don't don't worry about it. Yeah, huge shout out to Michael, who's been the the one laboring to put all this content up there. Uh, you know, it's 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 a shit ton of data entry, and so that's why Glass Cannon <laughs> Podcast Campaign One. It's there's only like a hundred episodes or eighty something up there now because it's we and we've been working on this since like November. But getting all of this content up there, it is back breaking, and we're gonna have all the cannon fodders up there, all under the cannon fodder thing. Glass Cannon Lab. Is there now as well? That was never oh, available. Oh yeah, as a podcast. labs is never available. Audio only, right? all the way through Deadlands, like from uh, the fir- from uh, Cyborg, Cyborg all Cyborg. the way to Deadlands. Everything is up there, 
and uh, you know, if it's not up there yet, we're 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 still getting it up there. It's just a massive undertaking. Kai guy is enjoying the fifty million emails he's getting about new shows added to Supercast, <laughs> so, and sorry. I think he's being facetious. Yeah, yes, well, we're, it's we're very it's sorry. it's weird, basically, because like if you're at the Vorpal level. You also get everything at $25. You get everything at the premium and basic. So because those podcasts were released on all three, you get that notification three times. It's just, it's dumb. It's a, it's a bug in the system. <laughs> yeah. But luckily it's, it's kind of a one time thing, right? Yeah, You're only going to have this massive dump of content one time. And then, uh, hopefully we'll be. In the groove. Uh, so anything else? Any other takeaways? We're going to have, uh, obviously, some questions here. I don't know if I should take, like, early questions that are specifically State of the Nation related. Now, I'll, I'll wait till the end. I'll wait till the end. Yeah, I mean, if it's uh, what because, we're talking about, feel free, but... Um, yeah, I'll wait till the end, because I, I, I honestly, I want to get into the Glass Cannon podcast. I want to talk about the latest episode, and obviously, as these new things come up and the, the tickets go on sale for the tour and everything, you'll keep getting new reminders of the new things that are happening. So just stay with us, stay po- uh, and we'll keep you posted. Uh, I'm just like trying to follow the chat. It's amazing. So many people are chatting. Uh, you guys are the best. All right. Let's talk Glass Cannon Podcast. I don't know if you know this, Troy, but among- Am I on that show? Among the comments on YouTube, mm. on the YouTubes about the latest episode of uh, Campaign 2, a lot of love, a lot of love for this particular episode Dude, the uh, love has been coming in hot and heavy as hot and heavy from b coy dog the banner was phenomenal the new <laughs> drop phenomenal the synergy phenomenal and by the way phenomenal is in all caps every time it was really <laughs> exciting uh, people really seem to respond to the banter we got some great comments uh i'm gonna look at a few of them here ryan bontrage is like i really appreciate the amount of transparency that was expressed in the banter as it relates to the campaign looking inward talking about what's working for you and what not might not be in your own campaign i think is an important exercise he says or they say very healthy to see displayed at a table and i appreciated that comment uh snoop hoggs said i really respect that you included a very frank discussion of is the mystery working it's like seeing inside a working podcast you know what i mean the kind of things is not normally aired and so yeah i think a lot of people responded well to the banter uh and i and I appreciate that. Um, I will shout out Scoobed, who said, Joe, I totally agree with your analysis of the last few episodes. Of course, you're going to shout out that one person that agreed with your analysis. <laughs> there was literally only one person that agreed. <laughs> Hundreds there, of there comments. Was one, oh, God. There was one comment that I saw that was so funny. It was like, Joe needs to stop navel gazing and just enjoy the ride. It was something like that. <laughs> Naval gazing? Uh, yeah, like uh you get you get so angry when like your uh something doesn't immediately make sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. Well, that is true. That is a that's a personality flaw, but I would also say a lot of this is motivated that I immediately have a short fuse and get very mad when I think the show stinks. You know what I mean? Like, it's more <laughs> right. about, like, I think the show is dragging, and that's what I don't like. And yeah. uh, trying to, like, rationalize and reason around that can be a little bit difficult. Also, like, 
what am I trying to convince people that the show's not good? Like, no, that's not it. <laughs> I just wanted to be honest about how I felt and get it out there in a way that, I don't know, made some sense. And I, it, you know, some people it made sense to, uh, you know, even the people that disagreed were like, you know, some of them said it makes sense, but you know what? I'm going to jump to professor Eric for a quick second because Wait, professor I'm Eric not done, uh, breaking you down though. <laughs> Because I think you have this very interesting personality trait where if it's not immediately graspable, graspable, you, you're just kind of, you, I don't know if you check out, you kind of check out a little bit or you get a little angry. And I think it's because you worry about the pace, but then you just want to like get into combat. But if the combat is even mildly difficult, you're like, well, we're not supposed to be, what is this? Why did they write this? Well, you're only first level. I was supposed to fight this thing. And then you always win that combat like 99 times out of 100. Well, I mean, I think you're kind of liberally throwing around. I think you're kind of liberally throwing around always, but I don't know if I am. I, well, I'll tell you what. We'll come, it'll come up in We Are Stupid today because there's a re I had like if, for example, I was complaining about this combat in this episode, I was well within my right because as I knew, as I knew, you were getting it wrong. You had to be because it was imbalanced. Clancy Knox says, balanced. This is tough, but fair. <laughs> this is tough, but fair. What did Sydney say? Sydney's in here. Sydney, back me up. Uh, oh, she's just talking about her drop. Yeah, your drop was awesome. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Sydney's doing math. What's up, Sid? Uh, thank you for coming by and hanging out. Um, I, I want to jump to Professor Eric just for a second okay, uh, to kind of back you up. This isn't We Are Stupid. This is Professor Eric wanted to weigh in on the banter, and I think Professor Eric said this really well. Smart guy, Professor Eric. Really, very, really intelligent human being. Yes, I agree. Um. All right, so this is, a, a once again, complimenting you. On the banter, I think the reason why myself and some other Gatewalkers GMs have been so impressed is how much Troy has brought to life the short vignettes from the AP. All the critical clues were presented in ways that had layers of obscure reference, then telegraphing, then more in your face. And then here's where th this sentence is, is really interesting. It feels like the puzzle will make sense at the end. And the players will feel that they could have figured it out earlier, but didn't. It will feel earned, in my opinion. But to feel earned, it has to feel confusing, hard, and meandering in the middle. Kind of like summing up, I think, what I was trying to get to with what was bothering me about these mystery role-playing games and how the hard, confusing, meandering parts are not fun for me. They're not my favorite. But – Hearing Skid talk about the importance of character and how we need to spend more time focusing on each other and why that was skipped in this particular case. But then also, uh, you know, thinking about how this, this feeling, this time we will look back on and feel like we were working towards something. It just doesn't, might not feel that way right now. You just got to hold on for the payoff, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we release content in a world where like, we don't have time to wait for, for the audience <laughs> to wait for a payoff. They'll just leave. Yeah. Well, the, the tricky thing is like, how do you make sure that the mystery is interesting all along, that it's not just so uh, confusing that you can't figure it out. But like, you also want to make sure that you don't give so many clues that like, People start to figure it out too early, and and that's that's really tricky. But for me, the reason that I'm uh, really 
letting this stretch out more is that it forces everyone to role play. Because otherwise, all I'm doing is just speeding you to the next encounter. This book's got plenty of encounters, but plenty of stuff that could be easily glossed over as a bridge to the next encounter. And so by slowing it down and, and adding this level of mystery, it's just forcing people to put the dice away and play, and it's going to help reveal character that wasn't immediately revealed in the first 10 episodes. So that's really the purpose of it. But it's also not objectively the right way to run the adventure. It is all about your group. Yeah, you sure. have a group that loves role playing, you know, and that is so happy to d- delve into things like where are we going to have lunch and uh, loves dealing with the uh, uh, Malkior. Is that his name? Malkior mm-hmm. uh, loves dealing with like, you know, the, not inviting him to lunch and stuff like that. Like they just have so much fun doing that. So let them lean into it. And it, it makes for a good game. Dude, the irony of all of this is if I was a player in this game, I would want to go straight from Bolon's treehouse to Kanipo's stuff. So yeah, don't give me <laughs> That's shit. All I want to do. Exactly. But like, I, I know that the game I want to play is not the game that's good for radio <laughs> yeah well yeah that, that that's, that's fair. all that's i would want to do is like please just get me to that oculi fight <laughs> yeah the second oh my god this is so funny um all right i wanted to go through just a couple more comments here um uh, oh yeah so just speaking to what i just said about you know the kind of table that you have we had two people bt wizard and ira art who ira art's been uh, listening watching for a long time just want to say, as a listener of actual play RPG games, I love the role play aspect more than the fighting. It brings the AP to life and tells the story. The fighting parts are good, too, but they're just that, fighting. It's fun to see the upgrades and what level ups do for a fight is definitely part of the story. But overall, love the role playing. Just my opinion. Love everything y'all are doing. Keep it up, Glass Cannon. So thank you for that well-thought-out response and the focus right. on how important role play is to uh, to your experience um all right last thing i'll say is from (laughs) this is great so this speaks to what uh, skid was saying about the characters right about how we in this campaign we came in already knowing each other which can be a little bit of a tricky hurdle to get over if the ap or campaign that you're playing gives the characters the way to meet and we see that happen on screen, so to speak, you uh, it's a really interesting way to start digging into characters. But if you feel like you've already had those conversations, then how do you broach deeper conversations if you never actually had the first ones with each other as players? So uh, this funny comment stood out to me from Plague Clutch, who said, one thing I know from the army about unit cohesion is the first week, no one talks. The fourth week, Everyone's having conversations in the nude doing rat tail snaps. <laughs> <laughs> I read that. Like too. it doesn't take too, too long for people to start opening up to each other. And I think that's going to be an important thing for us to do as characters in the show is get a little bit more vulnerable with each other, open up a little bit more. And that's only going to raise all the stakes. That's only going to, in, you know, increase the quality of the content and the, uh, the relationships that everybody has. You know? Yeah. Cause you got to think, and I think I said this on the show, whether they met a month before, a month and a half, two months before, uh, whether they, some of them met just oh, really, really met on the journey to get to Seven Arches. It wasn't until uh, the Gorga attack, I guess, right? Was that the first combat that like you had to l- try and stay alive and try and keep the people around you alive? And that's what changes everything. You know what I mean? Like getting to know someone, it's great. But like that high stress situation is what really starts to galvanize uh, the crew. So it is an interesting 
choice to have the AP start with them already kind of knowing each other. But the way I pictured it is that you really didn't know each other. You were just at Dr. Riddleson's, uh, you know, house researching with other gay walkers. Yeah, but that interpretation is not how I thought of it. It didn't really come out like you had that in your head. I'm sure everybody had slightly different degrees of what, you know, we knew about each other in their head. Like, I remember thinking I should walk up to Zephyr and be like, uh, you know, uh, hello, Zephyr. So where are you from? Or whatever. Some benign conversation to get things started. But I'm like, but that flies in the face of the narrative, right? Like we've already spoken. We've already been traveling for weeks together to get this thing, whatever. It is an annoying, stupid hangup that I have, but it's like other APs just give you the method to do that easily. This one we kind of have to work for, and and it's fine. We'll go back and work for it. There were several comments that were just like, do do flashback scenes of you meeting because like we'd love that, you know. And, and I think that that's great. We've never done that before. Yeah. We've done every flashback scene we do seems to be very character centric on one character. Why not do a flashback of Brother Amy is first walking into a room and you know locking eyes with Lucky or something like that? And w- what was their conversation like? Bring more of Lucky's backstory into it. Anyway, uh, interesting uh, thoughts there to uh, on how to deal with an AP that starts in that kind of fashion. Yeah. Uh, all right, couple quick questions from me on this episode. Um, so when we cross over uh, into this new land, it is very, very railroady uh, in the sense that almost ma- literally, magically, we are drawn to this stump. We are unable to walk off the path. Even when we walk off the path, we magically, you know, come back. And there's some very interesting elements there because there were similar elements in. Um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Emerald Spire that had to do with the Fae, where you would be walking on one path, you would be thinking one thing was happening, and the forest would change around you. It's kind of interesting, like, Fae themes that they've brought in here in really cool ways. Yeah. I just wanted to confirm, like, is this something that is, like, word for word in the AP, or is this something you're designing as a GM to, like, get to the action in this part? Is there more of a sandbox, or are you thinking of clever ways to make the characters feel like they have to go to this one place? No, it's it's in the AP. It's it's meant to. That's how they describe the world. Like anytime if they step too far off the path, all of a sudden they're back on the path. Um, it's With no the, memory of how they got there. So yeah, for it's a just brief second. Sense and you know, it was it's like one sentence. But I was if you guys did it, I was like, oh cool, I'll make them really feel disoriented. And it kind of also foreshadows the the fight as well. Yeah. So this Oculi fight was awesome. It was terrifying. Uh, when you first, we'll get into it in a second with We Are Stupid, but because there were mistakes made. But do you, when you first read this encounter, is this something that you felt was an easy-ish encounter, a gatekeeping kind of encounter at the outside, like nothing you were too worried about? Yeah. Like when I first read an adventure, I don't dig too much when it comes to an encounter. I don't, I, I'm like maybe glance at the spells or something, but I really just go, like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a four on one fight or whatever. And I'll move on. And then sometimes I reread it. I'm like, Oh shit. He summons three creatures. All right. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. But when I read this now, I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, okay. So it's not until I'm like prepping for the episode that I realize how I'm going to make a fight out of this. And it's like all that disorientation is going to slow them down. I didn't realize how well it would work until we started doing it. Like you just couldn't get close to it to attack it. That made all the difference. So it's one of those things that I read. And I'm like, okay, I, I now I, I try to create what my tactics are going to be like. How do I make this, uh, you know, more than more than a one round fight, and uh, just hope that it works out. But seeing it play out in real time, it was it was it was cool to see how the the mechanics sort of led to a much more harrowing encounter. Do you have general feelings on 
like general opinions on Fey, Fey adventures, Fey encounters, Fey areas as as a player that's been doing this for decades <laughs> like uh you know there's there's undead campaigns there's yeah. uh, dragon campaigns there's uh, orc army campaigns like this is a fake campaign so far uh do you have feelings on it as a player i've always been interested in it what i'm not interested in is like the cute part of fey like mm-hmm. that's never like i don't want to do a cute adventure um but uh i'd never really knew what it was like cuz even in like going back to like pathfinder society scenarios that we played we rarely we really did a lot of face stuff. I think if we had done more Emerald Spire, I imagine that's a big part of that, but it's just never been a part of something I've prepped or played in. So because of that, I was interested in it. And now that I do it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is just, uh, they're annoying and horrifying. <laughs> uh, so I think that's kind of like, it's annoying. Anywhere's the screen, like anywhere between annoying and horrifying and everything in between. Uh, but it tends to tip one of those two ways. And you started out with like Chibi and Bowfoot, uh, with more annoying and pestering and the little bees. Oh, I'll eat your cake. Uh, and now it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what you're going to delve into here. Yeah. There's a big spectrum in the Fey landscape between like cutesy Fey, funny Fey, uh, a tricksy Fey. And like horrifying, mind-altering Fey, like yeah. <laughs> there, the, the, it, it contains a bit of all of that. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are. Let us know in the comments and stuff, and, and obviously live in chat if you want to too. Because I've heard of the Feywild for years. I never really adventured in uh, uh, is it Feyrune? I don't know. That's what it is in BG3. I don't know if that's like the typical world that D and D five E players adventure in, but like. Uh, I'm curious because I hear about it all the time. Like, do you guys love uh, adventuring, doing Fey adventures? Are you kind of like, ah, I'm over Fey adventures? Are you like, I've never liked them? I'm kind of curious to see where people stand uh, because they can be super frustrating. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure. Fey Central says Tempe the Arcane. Um, no, I never played the Kingmaker video game. Uh, no, oh, that's Fey Central. Is it interesting? Didn't know that. I, I would have never guessed that. Huh. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Well, I guess it's not that surprising since it, I believe, at least where it starts, it, a lot of it is set near the area where Emerald Spire happens, and there's a lot of Fey stuff uh, near and around that, uh, uh, the Echo Wood, the Echo Wood, the forest. Uh, it's plagued with Fey, uh, all kinds of Fey creatures. Um, all right. With that, let's go on to We Are Stupid because I want to dig into this fight. Like you said, it was a really tough one, and we're going to find out why. I think there were mistakes made on both sides of the GM screen that may have led. To the situation uh, that we found ourselves in. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to say that Zephyr forgot about stunning fist. This was mentioned by Professor Eric. Uh, just, you know, basically, I'm going to put it up here uh, because I want to just show off our demi plane tools. Um, the, oh, geez, that's not the right one. Oscillating wave. There it I is. I skipped ahead. <laughs> I skipped ahead. There we go. Uh, all right, stunning fist. There, I had it. Uh, Stunning Fist, we have to remember that she has access to this. If she uh, targets the same creature twice and hits once and does damage on either of them, like, bam, you get to roll that save. Uh, you get a save, a fortitude save to see if you get stunned. She forgot about this against the Oculi. Now, as we've mentioned multiple times, it is an incapacitation effect, which means... It would be very difficult to uh, get that hit on a creature that's higher level than you. Uh, and in this case, the Oculi, at least Professor Eric says, is a higher level uh, you know, encounter, creature, whatever. So would have to critically fail to even just have the regular failure uh, uh, 
uh, of, of stunned one. So it wouldn't have made a big deal. Probably, probably wouldn't have affected the fight that much. But he just brought it up because he was like, I want to make sure Kate's remembering. No, don't forget about Stunning Fist because it's on automatically every time you do your flurry of blows. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to remember. Um, all right. So let's go back to the light. This is an area where uh, he's pointing out that he believes you have misunderstood or got turned around in your mind how the light works. I I know this and and I just wanted to do it differently. That's oh really? Answer. Yeah. Is <laughs> I all right? Well, go ahead. Say what you want to say. The rules on the Thinlands by the book are that artificial light and light spells function as usual for the purposes of shedding light. Uh, they shed light as they do. Now, spells with the light descriptor also have other issues or things that may come up that I don't know anything about. He says that that would be spoilery. And so, but you even said like, does it have the light descriptor? When I cast divine Lance, there are certain light things that may come up in the, um, in the thin lands, but we were led to believe that only artificial light would cut through this magically dim plane of dim light plane of existence. But that's, that's not what it says in the book. Well, it just, it doesn't really have any effect. It didn't have any effect on anything. Right. Uh, well, apparently the light level affects the uh, saves to walk into the brambles, like the saves to like where you're walking is my understanding. But that didn't affect any of the people that got trapped in the thorns. They all had uh, at least low light vision so they could see fine. Right. But I believe you only take damage when you critically fail. Was that not was that not the case? Um, I'm trying to like look here. Yeah, anyway, it just – it seemed yeah. like there were some little tiny mistakes like that made that created, I think, stress on our side. No, you take damage no matter what. You take damage no matter what? Yeah. Um, okay, interesting. So, yeah. piercing. Yeah, basically, I realized that I – like about a round in that I had flipped a, a specific thing about how light functions – and I was like, well, this has no effect on the combat. So I'm just going to so just going to let it go. But I'm trying to just to be fair to what you're explaining. Um, so light effects are weaker. That's spells with a light. But the thin the entire thin lands are dimly lit. They're perpetually shrouded in dim light. Artificial light, such as that from lanterns and spells like light function as usual, usual. Um, but then there was another sentence that doesn't contradict that per se. It's just. Uh, Confusing. It's the, yeah, the, the, because the um, oculi gives off an aura. Right. And the uh, aura that is given off affects only non magical light. Non magical bright light within the aura becomes dim light, and non magical dim light within, within the, with the aura becomes darkness. Right. So if I would have had my light spell out, it would have had no effect, uh, you know, which. Would be nice. I like, like you said, I don't think it really affected the combat that much. Magical um, light anywhere within the oculi's aura increases the light level as normal and reduces the will save. So that would have yes, that yes. that's what he was saying. Sorry, I okay. was trying to translate Professor Eric's notes. That's what it was. It reduces the will save uh, that you know everybody would have to make magical yeah, I, light. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing a good job of explaining this, but when I was reading about it, I. I I just missed that the light spell functioned as normal. Yeah, and so and when it, you because already, the way it's written, I can see it right here. It's like if I was reading it even remotely quickly, 
I would do the same thing. It's like artificial light, such as that from lanterns, function as usual. Like the little end spells like light. It's just, it's so like small and in the middle of that sentence. And what happened was I made such a big deal about you not being able to do it and then using a torch and that worked. When I realized it a couple seconds later, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to retcon it. Yeah. I just didn't think it would make that much of a difference. And, uh, you know, but obviously you should have got a bonus to your will save. And I, I think that did affect you with the, uh, well, no, you didn't get lost in it, but no, yeah, I didn't because I stopped moving like immediately. Yeah. I just like stopped moving. So it but did. It changed the combat a little bit for sure. It did change the combat a little bit. And the, well, and also like it's, it'll change it going forward. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, we're in the Finlands. You know I mean, like for who knows how yeah. long within the, within the stump, things might work differently. In fact, they do. Uh, so it's just, yeah. Light is one of those things that I just get really annoyed about. And so whenever things get into the nitty gritty of light with dim light and darkness, I start, I just check out. Yeah. It's like a, not even a blind spot. It's like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate So this. it doesn't help that like when things are actually really important to the combat, if I'm just like, eh, I'll do it later. And then, <laughs> shit on like and then you fail yet another save. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, you know, we would give you shit for, um, for uh how you would say that like moon does not cast dim light you go outside at night it's just darkness it's darkness like, <laughs> come on there's a moon like it, it would be dim light you can kind of see the no you can't and it's just because you don't want to deal with the mechanics and, yeah and, i, don't. Uh, I, I, I really really don't um <laughs> i really really don't I really really don't I, I have to i have to get over that i've got to figure out a way to do it but it ended up making for a, a more harrowing encounter yeah, it sure did. It sure did. And, uh, but obviously one that didn't like really debilitate us in, in a huge way. So I, I don't feel like we're at a huge disadvantage moving forward or anything like that. But it was scary to have this one little monkey bird think the first thing we see in the Thinlands to almost control our mind and really put us in a, in a bad way, uh, unable to move toward it. I mean, it was just, you know, by synergizing those aid checks along with, uh, Sydney's will save that got her the ability to wham dash up there, uh, which is, which is what I'll bring it to now. Let's, let's turn to, uh, let's go to Asta. Why not go to Asta? We got Sydney here. I hope Sid is still here because we're going to, we're going to put her on blast. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about Arcade Cascade Stance for a moment. Uh, arcade Cascade Stance, which is one of the dope-ass thing that when Sydney first did – oh, here she is. Okay. So, Sid, <laughs> when you first did Arcane Cascade Stance, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, she described the, like, s- like slowly moving her foot around to the back, planting it in, and that, like, almost, almost like a dance – Extremely, extremely cool. Uh, but Professor Eric just pointed out, and I sent this to Sid earlier this week. Remember, while you're in the stance, your melee strikes deal one extra force damage. You never know when that's going to come into play. So it seems like we forgot to deal that extra damage. And also, this increases if you uh, to two if you have weapon specialization and three if you have greater weapon specialization. So force damage usually cuts through just about everything. So that's really cool, uh, particularly if you're trying to get through some sort of difficult resistance. And also, I mean, it's it's too e. You never know when that one extra point can be the difference between uh, life and death. So just oh, yeah. uh, something to keep in mind there. Also, as Sid charged up, and this was phenomenal. I love this scene. There was a comment on YouTube as well that was like, loved the um, – whatchamacallit, the, the kind of hero mo- the hero moment from Asta, that Asta got to come in with this katana. So here, here we are looking at the katana uh, that she comes in, charges in, does the spell strike, and kind of puts down this really harrowing enemy in this really tough encounter. 
Here's an interesting mechanic I had no idea about, and I sent this to Sydney as well. It has, there's a trait on this weapon, two-hand D10. I have not seen this yet in 2E. That's awesome. It's something that I just, I don't know. I haven't, I guess I haven't played a character that has a weapon that is versatile from one hand to two hands. That's awesome. And it changes the damage die, Sydney. So like, instead of rolling a D6, even on that attack, you should have been rolling a D10. Which is so freaking cool, wow. and, and uh, it makes me want to build a character that uses a weapon that vacillates between one-handed and two-handed. Well, think about like the synergy if you had another spellcaster that could do something that's like double your damage die or go up one damage die. Right. You, know, you cast that. You know, if you use that sort of like uh, cannonball special technique, where you cast that on the person with the katana, now instead of doing a d10, it does a d12 or two d10. Like, there's so many more things you could do with with a little more like uh, teamwork. That's really really cool. D10. D10. Crit with that shit. Yep, yep. And so Sid uh, explains here in chat that she thought that because of the arcane cascade stance, she could not have a a she needed a free hand. And that's why she wasn't doing it. But Professor Eric pointed out that um, uh, sorry, he said he said something about the free hand. She never had to drop a hand for anything in the interim. Uh, And then you get the strength bonus as usual. So it should have been the detents. So yeah, anyway, thank you, Professor Eric for pointing that out. And uh, hopefully, uh, we remember that going forward. Okay, one more big one uh, conversation that we had was, and this is the one that I spoiled earlier, the oscillating wave. Uh, this was a fun conversation, if you remember this, Troy. This was when, mm-hmm. like, Skid was discussing the remaster and the changes that the, – it's not really the remaster. It's the errata to the right. Dark Archive that were made to the Psychic class and his particular ability, this oscillating wave in which you have to vary your – he uh, the kinds of energy that you use to make a balance. So we really come in here with the conservation of energy, which is what got brought up, and the discussion was uh, – when you uh, – the first time in an encounter that you cast a granted spell from your conscious rhino or psychantrip, decide whether you're adding energy or removing it. Once you add energy, you must remove energy the next time you cast one of these spells. So Skid was confused if this meant he just uh, would have to cast like, you know, f- uh, produce flame, which is now ignition, followed by frost bite, uh, which used to be um, – uh, oh, my God. Ray of frost. But no, he was right, and we came to the right uh, conclusion, which Professor Eric points out, that uh, the remove energy note, the ability gains the cold trait, any damage it deals is cold damage, and any resistance it's grant is, it grants is to fire damage, means that you literally are still casting ignition, but you're pulling the fire out of that spell and in- infusing it with cold, which uh, is a very cool concept, and it's a cool idea, and it just goes to show you how much the psychic can manipulate with their mind the energies around them. So you're not forced to cast a different spell, and the reason Skid didn't want to cast Frostbite was because it has uh, a different range, uh, you know, or didn't want to cast Ignition was because it has a shorter range or whatever the case was. So you can cast Frostbite, but inf- it infuse it with fire damage which i think is so cool and you can cast uh ignition alternatively and infuse it with like cold fire which is just a cool concept so uh we just got confirmation on that so appreciate professor eric writing in on that that's great i'm uh, glad when we like uh make a call and it's right 
<laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's take it to uh, let's take it to the nation here. Let's get some listener mail in before we, we get out of here. Where's my listener? Mail? There it is, McDay on the ones and twos. It's time uh, all right, so <laughs> there is some discussion about this um, two-handing the katana thing, which I want to address. Uh, Sydney seems to think like, no, I definitely think I need the free hand to get the extra damage, which is why I was, you know, didn't think I should I should do it, but. Uh, Professor Eric says, uh, it's, it's a bonus on all melee strikes, uh, even two handed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we uh, got a mistake wrong here, but we'll look she back says into it's it. It's due to Laughing Shadow, which is a hybrid study of the Magus. Laughing Shadow Magus gets time jump as they're, uh, magic is free. While in arcane cascade stance, you gain a plus five status bonus to your speeds or a 10 plus foot bonus if you're unarmored. If you have a free hand while in the stance and are attacking a flat-footed creature, you increase the extra damage to three, to five if you have weapon specialization, or to seven if you have greater weapon specialization. You must have your other hand completely free. The extra damage doesn't apply if you have a free hand weapon or other item in that hand, even if you would normally be able to use that hand for other things. So, Interesting. Sydney was was right, essentially. So um, does it seem here, yeah, Professor Eric, you got to get back to us. I mean, obviously, he would not know about this Laughing Shadow thing. I yeah. don't think he has the character sheets per se, but um, interesting. You wow, get a five-foot status bonus to your speed? Ten foot if you're unarmored? Uh, if you have a free hand while you're in the stance or an attacking a five-footed creature, you increase the extra damage to three, blah, blah, blah. Uh... All right. So, yeah, I guess, you know, does that beg the question? Is it better to have the higher damage die or to have the plus three to damage? What's the damage die? It goes from D6 to D10. To D10. Yeah, no, it's better to have the D10. <laughs> That's what I would you know, think. Unless you have greater weapon specialization, a flat seven is is like better than the average D10. Yeah, I. I that's what I would think. So, like... Well, I guess it's the difference between six and ten, right? Your average for six is three. Your average for ten is five. So it's a, kind of a plus two. But it's crazy. A plus three. I guess it assumes that Omegas never <laughs> never uses a katana because the D ten's better. What other reason would you need to have a free hand if you can use your sword to cast uh, to, as the somatic com- to com- cast somatically? Um, I mean, that's cool and all, but. Yeah, this is this is so interesting. Like this is like, the kind this of stuff is that, only helpful if you don't have a katana. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And I also think that like And we, it has to be against a flat footed creature. It does. Which she wa- yeah, which she wasn't attacking. So, so Oh Sydney is, so is wrong. Okay. So we go back to Sydney being completely wrong. I was ready to possibly offer up a cannon. It's so funny. Cat. <laughs> but now it's, seeing that it has to be against a flat footed creature. And so are attacking specific. a flat-footed creature. So it's almost like a sneak attack damage. She used Arcade Cascade for the speed. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it makes sense. But That's like, cool. but this says, if you have a free hand, you get this bonus damage. You don't have to have a free hand, you just don't get the bonus damage. But you still bump to a D10. Right? 
Uh, Troy, yeah. are you and I you stand this the, the same way? Laughing Shadow gives you the status bonus to speed regardless of your hands. If you have a free hand and you're attacking a flat-footed creature on the third Tuesday of the month, then you get the, the damage bonus. <laughs> Naratu says, Sydney, you're right in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Sydney says, I'll see myself out. Uh, <laughs> Dude, this is so awesome to have it sit here live. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's go on to Lister Mail. Let's take a few questions, and then uh, and then we'll let you get on your merry. Uh, let's go to Western Spaghetti, uh, hey! who is so in for Nashville. I think Western Spaghetti might have asked like five Nashville questions. Um, wow. I guess Western Spaghetti. Okay, so here's an overall question. What games can we expect to be ran at Nashville? Like... Well, are we are are there RPGs being run, or is this a board game convention with uh, RPG <laughs> actual play shows at night? Well, I mean, if we did what you and I want to do, it would be all board games. But you know, some people want to play RPGs, so we're going to have that. I think that Friday night is definitely going to be the focus is going to be on board games and living card games uh, because it's just it's a smaller footprint, a lot easier to just like sit down and grab people, and it encourages more um, you know socialization. Whereas like now you sit with these people for four hours. Now we'll see. My plan and is like play, just play a character, right? Just play hours. with this. With whatever this you exact do, don't be yourself. That yeah. would be ridiculous. Even then, like I. I want to see if we can make these like a, a faster turnover on Saturday so people get to like experience more, you know, more people at the con. Because as much as it's about hanging out with us, it's about hanging out with each other. I said this last night. It's like so many like minded people. You walk into that room, you know, you immediately have about eight things in common. That doesn't happen all the time. And so what I'd like to do is once all the tickets are sold, I want to like reach out to everybody in the group and with surveys, it's like, what do you want to see? Because I have an idea of what. Uh, is going to make a great weekend. But I want to hear from the people kind of crowdsource what you want to see. We may find out that like nobody wants to play RPGs or people might be like, I don't have any interest in board games. I just want RPG. If 40 out of the 50 people that respond do that, we can I really I want you to bring in 12 PS5s and 12 <laughs> 70 inch TV screens. We could do that. <laughs> we, we could actually do McD? that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not 12, but uh, we could, you know, if people are like, oh, man, I would love to display original Dark Souls with Joe and Troy. <laughs> Ten people say that, maybe we'll get a fucking TV. Um, I mean, the space is going to be pretty big. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm doing the site visit to see if we want to get a, a, a larger space or a smaller space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really want to crowdsource it and and be so on top of like what people want as much as what we want to offer so that the, the weekend is really um, tailored to the specifics of the niche. And as this grows, we're armed with that feedback to keep making it better and better and better. Like I want people to walk away and be like, that weekend was phenomenal. I can't wait to do that again. Yeah. Um, Travis Green says the Marvel stream was great and uh, shows y'all keeping it family friendly. Any thought about a kid friendly RPG podcast? I, I said something about it last year. It's something that's always been on our mind. I, you know, I think it'd be cool if parents could watch with their kids. You know, it's just but then we can't invite Sydney. And There's a lot of people we, we can't Sydney. invite. Yeah, and like Skid's <laughs> jokes would go over all of their heads. <laughs> Most of the parents' heads as well. Uh, so it, it kind of really limits what the cast can be. But, you know, with Marvel, if we continue to work with them, I think it's going to be a lot of PG-type content. It's just – it's Disney. That's that's what it's going to be. And so I, I think wouldn't, – wouldn't you say that kids could watch the the Good Enoughs? Yes. Yeah. 
I would, it's, it's, I would think so. There's uh, there's an S bomb in there, <laughs> but like we say poop, we say poop. Uh, no, we say shit. Uh, say shit. I thought we cut shit. Yeah, well, I think it snuck past the goalie, but like it, it was a real quick one. But the yeah, f bombs, none of that, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's very, very PG. I think PG to PG thirteen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something, something we're thinking about. It's definitely something we've talked about and we want to do. Uh, so yeah, it's it. You know, we talked about it many years ago, and it just never came together. And we've talked about it again more recently. So yeah, it's definitely on our minds. I'd love uh, to make something that I could watch with the kids. Exactly. Like, I think that'd exactly. Be so cool. It's been I on my wife's mind for anything. a long time too. You know, she's been like, "Why, why don't you do this? It's just so it's easy. It's low hanging fruit. It's uh, harder than you think, though. It's it, like it we really we're not children's show hosts. You know, we can make a a show where we don't swear and we don't make too many anachronistic jokes that would fly over everyone's head, but you know, it's different, like doing something that is really geared towards children. It's a whole different beast, but it's something we, we have, it's like on our, the top of our to-do list of something we'd like to do. It's just finding the right partner and project and team. Yeah. Um, Sid Hoffman says the customer facing updates have been great, but I'd like to know more about what goes in, on inside of the business as well. How many FT folks are at GCN right now? Oh, full-time folks. Like, what does that mean? Uh, has Matthew given up being a playwright yet to be to come on full-time? I'd love to know more about how the business has grown and what it looks like today. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, you can sort of divine by listening to our shows, you know, who's working on what. You know that we have McD working for us as a community manager and uh, producer and in sales and marketing. You, you know that CJ is, is involved in Francis uh, in every episode of Gatewalkers. Um, and Troy mentioned Michael, who's handling a lot of the uploading and stuff like that. That's really the base of employees that we have right now, including the, the founders. No, Matthew is not giving up playwriting. He never will give up writing or playwriting. Yeah, so that's uh, me, you, and Skid, or like, that's it. That rounds it out. Yeah. Yeah. Me, you, and Skid. So and then we have other con, you know, we've got like Jared is basically a full time employee, and we have contractors. We have contractors that we use so regularly. Our videographer on tour is the same videographer every show. Our videographer on uh, our cinematographer on the Glass Cannon podcast is the same every episode. You know, so those kind of contractors are not full time per se. Director but, of sales and marketing is yes, Kristen. You've got met at Gen Con like he's with us ninety hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that's about the size of it. Eight eight to nine people that are working regularly every day to to put all this uh, content out there, and then of course all the performer contractors that we have uh, out there that uh, help help make our shows great. You know what? I want to just bring up for a second because Paula's still here and she mentioned something earlier uh, about she liked the idea of having a flashback scene of two characters meeting. They kind of already know each other, but we didn't see the meeting. I hadn't thought about it before, but that's also how Blood of the Wild started. Like in Blood of the Wild, we grew up together because you, mm. you're in the same clan, prehistoric clan. Like, you don't like meet in a tavern. You know what I mean? And it's so funny. Like it just occurred to me that that never seemed to be a hurdle to, you know, to getting to where we we wanted to be. And there is a, a great mystery in, in this whole campaign. So I think I need to go back and examine Blood of the Wild. See, like, what happened there? What happened there organically? What did we do there to kind of grow those character relationships over time, even though they, quote unquote, grew up together? Uh, we, we you know, still were, or were learning about each other as we go. So anyway, it's an interesting conversation to bring up. And uh, and obviously, you know, people like Paula and Mary Lou and Ross and Kate, you know, and Sid, like, these are the people that are – they're not employees per se, but they're, we work in with each other every single week, uh, all year long. Um, all right. 
Western Spaghetti again. Oh, this is a good question. Can we volunteer to run games at Nashville? Is, is there any idea as to what that approach is going to be yet? Yeah, I would be speaking presumptuously. We haven't got to that part of the planning yet. I imagine if Saturday is going to be more focused on RPGs, we'll need GMs to run it. I mean, I personally would love to just play in a game uh, rather than like prep something. But, you know, you want to make sure that you have uh, the right crew of GMs. There might be people who are like, yeah, I'll GM. Oh, what's your experience? I mean, I've never done it, but I'll do it. I listen to your show. Yeah, no. uh, Wait, wait, wait. You only listen to Troy GM? Please. Do you you remember when we did, it was like the last live show that we did before Glass Cannon Live happened. It was at the Beer Garden at Bohemian Hall in Queens. And the first part of the day was six hours of role-playing games. And we had to have... I think like 12, we had 12 tables with GMs and all the GMs, people had to basically apply. They had to like reach out and be like, I'll GM. And at the time we had like hung out with those people enough at cons or like knew them to be like, I, I think we can trust so-and-so to GM. We think, like they were all, I think they were all people that we knew in some way that we felt like comfortable letting them run a table. I think it would be kind of the same vibe. Like I'd have to make sure that we had, uh, you know, that we've found a proper way to vet people. I'm sure everybody in, in the niche is, is wonderful, but like making sure that the people that are running those games, it's, it's the right thing. Maybe it just has to be like me, Skid, Matthew, and yeah. Cindy and Kate run games. Well, look, a, a big part of this event, and you said it, and it's, it's something that's been discussed internally is like, it's so vital that everybody that comes has the greatest time ever. Ever. That's the goal. So our goal is the greatest time of your life. So if that's the goal that we're setting, a bad GM will ruin a weekend. It'll ruin a weekend for you. You cannot sit at a table for four hours with somebody that just makes you miserable. So that's why vetting of that kind of stuff is going to be important. So uh, Western Spaghetti, are you an asshole? If not, you might be able to GM in Nashville. Call in. (laughs) Call in. Um. All right, so a couple more. J.S. Rose uh, says, Troy mentioned an emphasis on new shows coming where the developers are at least key partners. Does that mean that any games where that's not the case would be routed to Glass Cannon Labs at best? It's a good question. I think I talked about this more in the uh, uh, Ask Me Anything Q&A that I did on Discord after the show. Uh, Basically, like for a long time, we've just produced shows with our own dime. And they, you know, to help kind of like build our repertory, build our our name and build the sort of library of content that we have. You know, as we started to grow, we we just realized we couldn't we couldn't afford to keep producing these shows because they don't bring in uh, enough revenue to like the expenses are way more than the revenue that the shows bring in. Initially, that's just part of it. Like you're trying to build uh, a body of work. You're trying to get your name out there. You got to do what you got to do. So then we started to bring on sponsors for shows, but we're still you know, funding the shows as well for the most part. Not all the shows, uh, but some of them. And they still don't, the, the the juice isn't worth the squeeze. The return on investment for the amount of money and time they were putting into the shows, it just doesn't work. So now we really have to move forward and ensure that the shows that we're producing are fully sponsored by other entities, whether that be publishers, uh, you know, third-party developers, people in the industry, fucking right guard, sports stick, you know, wh- whatever it could be. Because then, you know, we can, we're able to build content and not hemorrhage money because the shows just don't, the shows in and of themselves don't bring in enough revenue, whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on YouTube. And so we have to make sure that we're partnered with people who can, you know, 
put together teams to be able to sponsor these shows and even glass cannon labs like we're just at a point right now where we can't we can't really produce too much content beyond what we're already producing unless we're with the right partners and so you know glass cannon podcast we have some great partners that that help us uh, you know defray a lot of the cost but like we're still paying into shows like that, but that's the flagship show. We have to do that. Get in the trunk, Legacy of the Ancients, Blood of the Wild. These are the cornerstones of our subscription service. It is certainly worth uh, doing those shows without any type of sponsorship. But like, we can't just be like, man, I want to fucking play Star Wars. Let's do a 40 episode <laughs> Star Wars and we'll bankroll it. Like, as much as we'd like to do that, it's just not a sound uh, business decision for us as much as we'd really like to play more Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be so fun. Uh, uh, Cambion asked earlier, I just want to point this out. So you're saying you're just not ready yet to announce the 40 episode Star Wars show? <laughs> still, we're waiting to hear from uh, Lucas. Star Arts. Wars. Yeah. We're waiting to hear from Star Wars. Uh, all right, one more. And uh, this is an interesting one. I, in fact, I don't even know the answer to this one. Uh, Sieb Harris uh, says, what's up? Sean, uh, what are the Gen Con booth gaming tables going to look like? This was something you mentioned at the State of the Nation, I presume? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this I even said, I was like, this is in such early development. I shouldn't yeah. even be talking about it, but let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, for the past two years, we, we had our booth at Gen Con. We did the fishbowl. We broadcast uh, more than a dozen shows and then did a bunch of shows outside the con. And it was great. And we love, like, we have so many publishers that we work with now and game developers that have products that, like, we wait. They wait for Gen Con to really drop these things, and so we just started thinking. We were like, we think there's a way that we can achieve that. Like, let's record all of these shows in advance. They have advanced copies of the stuff. Let's put a little more production value into it. Debut those during Gen Con for all the people that can't come to the con. They can still see all those shows. They can then immediately buy those shows because they'll be available. Uh, but buy those products rather because they usually drop at Gen Con. But then spend our time at the con using that as an opportunity to connect with the with the nation more to connect with people it's nice for people to come up and watch a show being recorded in action but they're you know we're like animals in the zoo now come and sit and play with us and all those personalities that were on these shows with us they'll be at a seat at the table too so it's like oh from 12 to 4 this day troy is going to be at that table and nora is going to be playing and then over there joe's going to be running a game and kate's going to always be a player you know we want to try and we're, we're still trying to figure out what it's going to look like um but you know there'll be merch there'll be you know the shows will be on a tv hopefully so you can see those shows happening put your bluetooth on you can listen to it on twitch and then focus on doing more shows at the con in addition to the shows outside we could only do two shows last year because we're producing 14 shows in the booth how many shows can we do at the con if we don't do that if our time is spent really doing that that uh you know get your hands dirty kissing babies and Shaking hands. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Nice to meet you. That'll cost extra. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, I listen, we're gonna get back to regular listener mail next week. <laughs> Thank you guys for chatting in live. I uh, hope we answered some of your questions about State of the Nation and other things, particularly Nashville, which is very exciting. Yeah. We are um when you want to do listener mail or you want to write in, you have any questions, some you think of something after this stream, write in a contact at glasscannonnetwork.com 
and uh, you can get your question in that way. You can also go to our website and follow the link uh, through uh, to the listener mail submission form, and we get questions in that way as well. So don't forget to get your questions in. Uh, keep commenting on YouTube. I want to bring those up on the show as well. Thank you guys uh, so much for hanging out. That's going to wrap it up, buddy. That's that's it. Dude, this was fantastic. I'm glad we did this. It's just uh, it's going to be a hell of a year. Very, yep. very exciting year. It's going to be another... Another hell of a year at the Glass Cannon Network. Uh, thanks to everybody for hanging out watch live. I wish I could say every one of your names, but I'm running out of time. Uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Take it easy. Glass Cannon tomorrow. I'm streaming tomorrow. We got stuff coming next week. It's going to be amazing. We'll see you soon. Bye. It's time to make your membership official. Become an official member of the Nash today at jointhenash.com. That's jointhenash.com, where you'll get access to exclusive podcasts and live streams you can't find anywhere else. See what everybody's talking about and join the Nash today at jointhenash.com. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.